Mother's Day, all you mothers out there, happy Sunday, happy family day, 
Happy day. Go ahead, Lori. What holds your heart? What stirs your soul? What matters come to your mind? cares you keep, the thoughts you think, it's not all wasted time. Seeking you will find. Your still comes in the morning, hope still walks with the hurting. If you're still alive and breathing, praise the Lord. Stop dancing and dreaming. There's still good news worth repeating. Lift up your head and keep singing. Praise the Lord. The years roll by. We wonder why we lost our way from home. Father finds the child inside. We are left for going home. Awake, 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 my soul. Joy still comes in the hope. Hope still walks with the hurting. You're still alive and breathing. Praise the Still good news worth your keeping. So lift up your head and keep singing. Praise the Lord. Let everything, let everything, let everything praise the Lord. Let everything in the waiting. Let us praise the Lord. In the blessing, in the breaking. Let us praise.
Amen. It's good news. It's good song. Joy still comes in the midst of the world we're in. It still comes every day. New mercies, new grace. His presence is new every morning. Hope still walks with the hurting. If you're still alive and breathing, praise the Lord. I love the message of the song, Don't Stop Dancing. There's still good news. Lift up your head and keep singing. Keep living. We were talking this work at week, at this week at work, that just uh, so much, it feels like the world just wants us to pause, to stop, to close, to whatever, and we've still got a life to live. We've still got to go on. And maybe the going on is going to be different, but we've got to go on. And I'm thankful for that today, that, that news to keep dreaming, keep moving, keep dancing. This is a new song we're going to do this morning called Holy Water. And this is a good, I don't know, it's a good song. It's a good western, good something. So, uh. You enjoy. It's done by a group called We Are the or We the Kingdom. So uh, here it goes. He of C for you at home. <laughs>
His grace. I don't want to abuse your grace. God, I need it every day. It's the only thing that ever really makes me want to change. I don't want to abuse your grace. God, I need it every day. It's the only thing that ever really makes me want to change. Same thing again. applications you can give a thumbs up you can give a clappy thingy we need some way for you to respond at home you know I, we can't hear you so uh, it's good this next song we've done before and it's a uh, it's a great message about through the good the bad the ugly, the quarantining, the whatever. I know some at home are just desperate for their finances. They're just being all together is, if we're honest, it can drive you crazy. So let's just take a moment in your living room, in your bedroom, in your car, wherever you're at, all around the country and maybe some around the world that are watching. Will you close your eyes with me, with your coffee cup or whatever you got going on? Will you just take a few deep breaths? Father, we calm ourselves in the middle of the chaos on this family day of Mother's Day. 
And we're reminded, Father, that you are over all of this, that you're beside and between and in front of and behind. You care about the smallest things, and you're caring about the whole story. And we don't understand that. We don't understand how you can do that, but we accept it, and we trust in it that you are walking each moment with us, even when we don't reach out for your hand, even when we don't call out to you. So, Father, center us again today on who you are, what you're about, what you want us to be about, that you would give us peace in the midst of a quiet storm. We ask that you would help us to know what the next step is in our story as we try to reflect you and your light to the world. We're thankful that through it all, it can still be well with our soul. So 
Many of you know this. When peace like a river attended my way, when sorrows like sea billows whatever.
Father, thank you that as we run and we stress and we try and we strive and we run, make us mindful again today that you are with us in it all. May we reach out to you more this week than we reached out to you last week. May we call on you. May we be sensitive to you. May we seek you more than we did last week. We're thankful that you are in it with us all day long. You were the word at the beginning, one with God, the Lord most high. You're hidden.
Wow. Just his name is more powerful than any army, any person, any weapon that has been made here on earth. Just his name can be spoken and can crush the enemy. How awesome is it that we get to sit underneath him, that we get to sit at his feet, that we can count on him to con- just to take control of everything going on. There's a lot happening in our world, and it can be overwhelming, and it can drag us down moment by moment. We don't know how we're going to react. But if we just speak his name, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I tell my kids to do that when they're scared. If they're fearful, I tell them, just say Jesus. If it's in the middle of the night and you have a bad dream, just say his name. Say it again, say it again, and it'll calm you down. And it never has failed. We get to call on him. We have the privilege to call on him. And he has so many names for so many different circumstances. He has the name of healer. He's the Prince of Peace, who I've been calling on a lot. He has so much. He's our Abba Daddy Father. And we get to come to him and pray. So pray with me now, Lord Jesus. Thank you for bringing us and gathering us here together again, Lord. As hard as it's been to be apart and for us to sing to a room of just a few people, to lift your name up, Lord, we're still dancing. There's still dancing going on in this room. Father, you are, you are still big. You are still in charge. We thank you so much for showing your personal touch to each of us in our living rooms or wherever we're at. We picture them there, Jesus, but you see them. You get to see them right where they're at, and you get to meet them. And Lord, we just pray that everything that we give, that as it turns over all of this internet, that you just turn it into something beautiful that you can minister to each person on the other side of that screen personally. You can meet them right where they're at. Lord, we ask you to descend on this place as Pastor Tim comes to give us your word. Jesus, anoint him. We thank you for him. We thank you for his service for you and to you. And Lord, we just pray that you will you will just speak through him boldly. Lord, let us hear you. Open our ears and open our hearts and let your word penetrate down so deep. Change us where we need to be changed. And Lord, we love you. We thank you so much for loving us the way that you do. And I pray that you'll be with us the rest of this morning and bless all the moms out there today, Jesus. And we just thank you for loving us. Jesus' name, amen. We'd also like to remind you to please, if you have any prayer requests at all, we want to pray for you. So Harry and Barbara have asked that you just email them to the church email, and then we will make sure that they get prayed over throughout the week, and we don't want to miss that. We are still here warring for you. We also want to remind you about the offering to give online at um, wlcchurch.com, or send it in, or drop it off whichever is best. We miss you all, but we're glad you're here with us. So we have a couple videos for you now, and we're going to go to those. Happy 
Mother's Day to all of you amazing women in our church family. You are so loved and valued, and we appreciate you so much. May you feel joy today and knowing how much God loves you and values you as he created you to be the beautiful you that you are. Also, we want to give a shout out to all of our Woodland Life Center kids. Hello, friends. Can you wave to all of them? Hello, friends. We miss you. Um, not sure if you knew if that was Mother's Day or not, but if anything, this would be a great time for you to be able to maybe make a card, bake some cookies, go out and pick some flowers. It's definitely where the dandelions can come into uh, some great uh, convenience where you can just go pick some out in the yard. It'll be totally fine. But if anything, spend time with your mamas, have fun time squeezing on them, giving them hugs and kisses during this time. And what a beautiful time to also recognize other amazing women in your life. And if you want, you can start making the cookies if you like. Okay, we're going to start making some cookies for Mother's Day as well. <laughs> but maybe you have a special teacher, a grandma, or maybe you call her Nana, a special aunt, maybe a big sister who means a lot to you. All of these women who are in your life are there to love you, to teach you great lessons, to help you throughout, that will help you throughout your entire life. They are also there to encourage you and to give you the support that you need as well. And as you know, there are many important lessons in the Bible for us to learn from God, how he loves us and how he cares for us. And he even gives us lessons to help us to stay safe. So what is a boundary? Hmm. Have you heard the word before? Boundaries can be a line that we don't cross. Maybe a certain limit where we only go so far. Kind of like a fence. You brought in part of our little fence today from our fairy garden, right? This helps us with our fairy garden fence. Fairy garden. And the reason for this fence is what? Usually if you have a fence around your yard, it's either to help keep things in or to help keep things out. So what is the boundary for? Maybe you have boundaries at school, maybe you have boundaries at home. We have boundaries on the road too, right? Because they're there to help keep us safe. If you think about, it's important for us to wear a seatbelt. It's important that we have the stoplights so we're not all trying to go in different directions at the same time. And the same goes with God. God has certain boundaries for us too. And did you know that God gave us 10 very important boundaries? What are they called? Yep, you got it, the Ten Commandments. All of them are super duper important. The interesting thing is, if you look at commandment number one, clear at the top, it says love God more than you love anything else. I know that can be hard sometimes, as we can get into a habit of thinking more about ourselves than others, or even God. But boy, if we always work on loving God more than our loving ourselves or anyone else, the rest of the commandments can fall into place. Let's take a look at number five. What does this one say? Love and respect your mom and dad. That's a good one too. And not only showing love and respect to your mom or your dad on Mother's Day or Father's Day, but every day, really all year round. I know it might be hard to believe, but your parents are actually smarter than you think. They actually have a lot of really important and great things to share with you and really important things to help you with. Did you know that your parents love you so much that they will do anything they can to help keep you safe? That's why you have a lot of boundaries and rules. Because they love you so much and because God loves you so much, he actually has handpicked your mom just for you. Nobody else gets to be your mom but her. 
And even in times you might not agree with what she is doing or why she's doing what she's doing and trying to help keep you safe, it's because you are so important to her. And that's why it's important to respect her and to love her for that. So have fun showing your mom how much you love her. And for those of you where your moms are maybe already celebrating their day in heaven, maybe you can think of another friend who could, you could share your love with today as well and letting them know how much God loves them. Sending you big hugs and a great special day. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Give them hugs. Hugs. Exodus 20, the Ten Commandments. And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses the name. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and mother, so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God has given you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his male or female servant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. It's nice to see you today. Well, I wish I could see you today. But it's great to uh, have opportunity to share with you on this very special day. And what a beautiful Sunday morning it has been. You might hear me sound a little different today. I woke up at 5.30 this morning and I have been dealing with some kind of an allergy attack ever since. And I'm telling you what, it has been um, a frightful morning thus far. So we will press ahead and we will think about that fifth commandment, honor your father and your mother. My friend Dave Anderson was born and raised in Ohio. and He grew up in a wonderful family, attended a little Nazarene church, and then attended a Nazarene college. He and I met when I was in seminary, and both of us worked at our denominational headquarters in the newly organized offices of audiovisuals. We're talking 19, well, a long time ago. And in those days, audiovisuals meant tapes 
and slides and maybe 16 millimeter film on occasion. But it was years later that I heard the story that on the day that my friend Dave graduated from high school, his mother made a point, a bit of a ceremony, if you will, of clipping off one of her apron strings and giving it to Dave. And then on the day that Dave was married, she clipped the other string off that same old apron, of course symbolizing the fact that he was no longer tied to his mother's apron strings. I think there's a wonderful symbolism in that mother's actions. It's a reminder of what a great relationship with a good mother can be. Most of you have uh, seen me here, and you know that I'm six foot two, and this morning I weighed 258 pounds on the scale. It would be hard for you to imagine that my mother was four foot nine and weighed about 96 pounds. But she was mighty, I will say that. When she put her foot down, I listened. When it comes to preaching on Mother's Day, it's a different story. Mother's Day is one of those, one of those difficult times for a pastor because Mother's Day is one of those days. Mother's Day doesn't appear on the Christian calendar, but it sure appears on our calendar, and Hallmark is ecstatic about it. And most people, if they attend church on Mother's Day, they're expecting a Mother's Day sermon that is something like a Hallmark movie. See, Mother's Day is one of those days for preachers or for pastors because we can't win on Mother's Day. If you don't preach a sermon on that theme that has a Hallmark feel to it, you want to leave while somebody else is saying the benediction. But if you do preach on that theme... And even if it has that hallmark feel to it, you're walking through a minefield of emotion. You see, some struggle on Mother's Day, both men and women, because they've lost their mother perhaps only recently. And others are struggling who have wanted to have children and have not been able to. I was in my first pastorate And I was a small church, and I'm preaching one Sunday morning on Mother's Day. And there are four young women sitting out in front of me, all weeping. I I mean, it it shook me up. I'm wondering, what, what have I done? It was because they had not been able to have children. Eventually, they all did. But that day, they didn't know that. And I was kind of in a tight spot. And still others struggle struggle on Mother's Day with a marriage where there is little respect for her role as wife and mother. And Mother's Day makes them feel like they've somehow missed the best life has to offer. When they see other couples who seem to have the perfect life, oh, the perfect spouse, perfect children, listen to me, they don't. So for years now, on this particular Sunday, which is fraught with joy and with despair, I've tried to direct my thoughts in one of two directions. One, we all have a mother. Focus on her. Or two, the amazing role of women, both culturally and spiritually. I had the Ten Commandments read as our text this morning. 
because in them we are reminded to honor your father and your mother. And I want, to, I want you to hold that thought in your heart today, even though we're going to be looking at Scriptures all across the board and may even tie the covenant back into it for a moment. Ladies, I want you to know three things today. I want you to never underestimate your importance to your loved ones. Women, wives, singles, mothers, aunts, cousins, sisters, grandmothers, whoever, never underestimate your importance to your loved ones. For some of you, that might be children or a husband. But for others, it may be just your mother or some distant family members. You probably have no idea of the influence you have had or are having on someone else. A couple of years ago, I spoke at uh, a church in Tulsa, the Tulsa Central Church where I used to pastor. And I had gone back for an event and spoke there on Friday night and Saturday night. And following the uh, Friday night and Saturday morning, and following the Saturday morning uh, service, the, the event, I drove to see my mother's cousin who lived in Tulsa. And she had been experiencing poor health. So when I got to her house, she was sitting in her living room with an oxygen tube around her face and tucked up into her nose. And as we visited, she said to her husband, Jack, she said, Jack, would you go get that little paper that you wrote about how we met? And then as he went back into another room to pick up this paper, she turned to me and said, I was 24 or 25 and fearful that I was never going to get married. And Jack came back in and he brought this paper. And I want to read just a portion of it to you this morning. Jack wrote, It is impossible to overstate the positive role my wife, Aline, has played in my life over the past 62 years. I still remember when I first saw her playing miniature golf at Joyland Amusement Park in Wichita, Kansas on the Saturday afternoon before Memorial Day, 1955. I was with one of my buddies and she was playing with two of her girlfriends. They were playing behind us or in front of us, I don't remember. I'm sure there must have been a bit of flirting going on because I do remember the beautiful girl with the big hazel eyes and friendly smile. And I was able to get her telephone number. It was two weeks before I worked up the courage to call her for a date. In those first few months, I discovered Aline was a devout Christian who went to Eureka Gardens Church of the Nazarene a small church on the west side of Wichita. We attended that little church during that summer, and I got acquainted with her and the good people that attended there. After three months, we decided we would like to spend the rest of our lives together. And so on September the 2nd, 1955, now this is the, this is the phrase I want you to hear. On September 2nd, 1955, after I agreed to her demands that we attend a Nazarene church and pay tithe, we were married in that church, beginning a lifelong walk together. Jack became a Christian. And he wasn't just a, I'll go to church on Sunday morning kind of Christian. Jack was a real Christian. Jack 
continued his education, got his PhD and became a speech therapist and later became vice president of one of our Nazarene universities. But I wonder about Jack. And I wonder to this day what would have happened if he hadn't met that woman who made a demand upon him. And Jack was no pushover, but he cared enough about her and cherished her enough that he was willing to do that. That young woman had an impact on that young man. And the hundreds that he served while working in his chosen field and then later at the university. So ladies, what I'm saying to you is, you're doing better than you think you are. Some of you who are listening to me this morning, you are mothers. And there are nights when you lay your head on the pillow and you feel like you failed. You missed a child's soccer game. Or you couldn't get to the last night of your daughter's performance because you had to work. Or you cleaned the house and your mother-in-law came and asked if you ever dust that table in the hall. Or the husband asks you to pick up his shirt from the cleaners or drop the car off for service and you haven't. And you felt like a loser. Well, you're not. You're a woman living in the 21st century. A world world that's filled with confusion and frustration. You're trying with all your might to hold the family together as well as your own emotional status. And now you're living through this whole COVID-19 thing. And on top of all that, you're probably working outside the house at least 40 hours a week. Listen, you're doing better than you think you are. Second thing I want you to hear this morning is that you're important to Jesus. I want you to be reminded of the way Jesus treated women because it was totally revolutionary. And we begin with three Marys. Mary, his mother. When she became a teenager, her father made the arrangements for her. This was the custom. Mary would be married to a carpenter. His name would be Joseph. And from her birth, her role in life was set, for she was born a female in a Jewish family. And the story of her pregnancy got out. And people began to whisper when she walked by. This young little girl, literally, and the... The legacy of raised eyebrows and finger-pointing gossip would follow them, Mary and Joseph, and then little Jesus throughout their lives. Maybe seeing the way she was treated had an impact on Jesus, and his estimation of women was elevated by the strength that he saw her exhibit. He honored his mother throughout his life. Mary was at the foot of the cross. When Jesus saw her there, no doubt in shock at what she was witnessing, He compassionately let her and John know how she would be cared for after His death and resurrection. And the Scripture says, when Jesus saw His mother there and the disciple whom He loved standing nearby, He said to His mother, Dear woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, the disciple took her into his home. But his honor and respect was not just reserved for his mother. You see, he taught that women were equal to men in the sight of God. That was a bit of a scary thing in his day. Women as well as men could be among Christ's personal disciples. 
A lot of his contemporaries, including his disciples, were shocked by this, especially with the way he treated Mary Magdalene. This Mary is almost always mentioned at the top of the list of female disciples of Jesus. And watch this. It is the risen Christ when He when he appeared, he appeared to her first. How ironic that in a time when women couldn't even testify or be a legal witness in a court proceeding, Jesus chose women to be the first of His resurrection. And then we come to the other Mary, Mary and Martha. And Jesus saw her as she worked about the house, and He didn't feel that her work or men's work was unimportant. But He elevated her. That home that she cared for was the place He would rather go than any place. When He would leave the Temple Mount and go down through the Kidron Valley and up the Mount of Olives and over the top of it to the little town of Bethany. And there He would find that Mary and that home that was such a wonderful place for them. In a wonderful incident in the Gospel of Luke, we read the story of Jesus healing a disabled woman on the Sabbath day, in the synagogue, right in front of the rulers. And in Luke chapter 13 we read, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues and a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, He called her forward and said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then He put His hands on her, and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Now, here's what happened. She's a woman. Jesus is healing her on the Sabbath. And the ruler of the synagogue, he begins to protest. And he told the people that were there, there are six days that you could be healed. This was his way of chastising Jesus without confronting Jesus. The religious ruler thought that Jesus was breaking the Sabbath, but Jesus was not intimidated by those words. And here's what he said, You hypocrites! Doesn't each of you on the Sabbath invite his ox or donkey from the stall and lead it out to give it water? Now watch what he does. Then should not this woman a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her. You see, there's a simple thing taking place there, but it's huge. The ruler of the synagogue was basically of the philosophy that he could take his animals out and water them on the Sabbath day, but it couldn't handle healing this woman. So Jesus was giving the message, she is just as important, more so than those animals. And then He calls her a daughter of Abraham. You know what's happening there? He's reminding them that she is part of the covenant as well that God made with Abraham. So faced with the wrath of these Jewish leaders, He showed His high regard for her by calling her this daughter of Abraham. And some of you are thinking, well, why is that significant? Because the idea of being a son of Abraham was common. 
But Jesus, with this one modification of a phrase, from son to daughter, raises this woman to a new status. You see, He ignored the limitations that had been placed on women by their culture. And He was careful to observe this fifth commandment, honor your father and your mother. But He moved way down the road from that. He had set the tone and started the early church down a path that would change the way women would be viewed and valued and treated. And I have to confess to you that it was... uh, Uh, maybe a little over a year ago, as I was working my way through the New Testament, that it dawned on me what was happening here. Third thing I want you to remember today or make note of is that Christianity changed the value and the role of women in our world. See, we come to that dreaded verse in Ephesians chapter 5. Now, the men don't dread it, but the women do. It says, wives... Be subject to your husbands. And in the New International Version, it's written, Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. No one reading that verse in the 21st century can fully realize how great it is. Things were so different in Paul's days. You see, in his morning prayer, there was a sentence in which a Jewish man gave thanks to God That God had not made him a Gentile, a slave, or a woman. In Jewish law, a woman was not a person, but a thing. She had no legal rights at all. She was absolutely her husband's possession to do with as he pleased. We can't comprehend that in Christian society. But you don't have to look far to see it today in the way that Muslim women are treated in some societies. The wife had no rights to divorce at all unless her husband, and I'm reading this from one of my commentaries, she couldn't divorce him at all unless he became a leper or an apostate or engaged in disgusting trade. I don't know what that was. Let your imagination run wild. But the process of divorce was disastrously easy for men. At the time of Christ's coming, the institution of marriage was in danger, even among the Jews, to the point that Jewish girls were refusing to marry because their position as wife was so uncertain. That's what it was like if you were a Jewish woman. But the situation was worse in Greek society, where prostitution was an essential part of Greek life. The philosopher Demosthenes said, The accepted rule of life was, we have courtesans for the sake of pleasure, we have concubines for the sake of daily cohabitation, we have wives for the purpose of having children legitimately and of having a faithful guardian for all of our household affairs. And Socrates said, is there anyone to whom you entrust more serious matters than your wife? And is there anyone to whom you talk less? It was bad in Greek society, worse than Jewish society, but even worse in Roman society during those days. I read that for the first 500 years of the Roman Republic, there had not been a single case of divorce. I'm guessing murder, but not divorce. But by the time of Paul, Roman family life was wrecked. So much so that Seneca 
writes that women were married to be divorced and divorced to be married. He said women dated the years by the names of their husbands because their husbands had left them so often. That's the background of which Paul is writing here in Ephesians chapter 5. He is calling men and women to a new purity and a new fellowship in married life. And the emphasis of that passage is almost always misplaced. I can't tell you how many times I sat down with a young couple who came to me to begin to plan their wedding ceremony, and one or both of them would say, we don't want that stuff in the wedding ceremony about submission or obeying. Okay. But what they didn't understand and what we don't understand was that the basis of that passage is not control. It is love. Love your husband. And then it tells the husband to love the wife as Christ loved the church. So much so that he would die for it. See, in the New Testament, we witness this complete change. It is a sea change with the philosophy of this fascinating womanhood thing. And it started with Jesus. And then we get to the writings of Paul and we find passages like this. You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, male nor uh, slave nor free, male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Jesus is saying, forget that stuff. You're the same. Paul's words were so significant, especially where they concern women, for they were bold words. They were changing the, the, the context of relationships. They were changing what was happening in our world. And though the changes have been far too small, they were birthed in the things that Jesus taught and the way Paul continued to express those teachings. It was, change, it, it, it was a sea change taking place. And it was given by those words of Jesus and the teachings of Paul. And you ladies have been and still are on the cutting edge of that process. And it's thanks to Jesus and His revolutionary change. So don't get discouraged and give up. Jesus calls you equal in every way in His sight, total heirs of all of His promises. To the women of this congregation, I thank God for you. You have prayed, and you're still praying. You have given and you still give. You have served, and you're still serving. You have taught, and you're still teaching. You have preached, and some of you still do. Don't let the enemy convince you of some failure. Let Jesus Christ convince you of the beauty of your spirit and the value that you bring to every situation. One of my favorite theologians and philosophers is a man by the name of Frederick Buechner. And he wrote, the grace of God means something like this. Here is your life. You might never have been, but you are. 
because the party wouldn't have been complete without you. You might never have been, ladies, but you are because the party wouldn't have been complete without you. So, what do we do with this information? In the strength and grace of Almighty God, and I think T.D. Jakes would say it like this, rise up and claim your rightful place in the home and the church and the world, and don't ever let the enemy rob you of your joy and the joy that you bring into this world, into this church into your home. Go today knowing that you are indeed blessed and highly favored. And since God has found and continues to find ways to exalt you, ask Him how you're going to exalt Him. What is God saying to you this morning? And what do you want to say to Him this morning? Because He's there. He's listening to you. There where you're listening to me. What do you want to say to Him? And men, one note to you. Honor her. Your mother, your wife, your daughter. And one more word. When it comes to your wife, cherish her. Cherish her. For that was the direction God, through Jesus Christ, has been pointing us all along. Man, I was driving with Jane yesterday and my daughter, two grandsons in the back, and thinking about today. And the thought crossed my mind that in that Garden of Eden, when God created man and woman, he had already created all of this earth. But when He created her, He did His finest work. He did His best work. Cherish her as God's creation and God's gift to you. Pray with me. Father in heaven, we bow in Your presence today, whether in this building or sitting at a kitchen table sitting in a recliner and watching this on television. And we are reminded of the fact that you have given us many blessings and none of those greater than our mom, wife, daughters. And so, Father, today we pause to give you thanks for that and ask your blessing upon them. Some of them who are struggling today, probably struggling in a marriage, some probably struggling today with children that, have, um, that are no longer home and that in some way have, have hurt them or disappointed them. Father, I pray that there would be new life and new joy and new determination placed in the hearts of these ladies who listen today to the things that have been said. And I pray once again that somehow between my lips and their ears, your Holy Spirit had a chance to say something that they needed to hear. Accept our thanks today for your blessings and your care. 
In Jesus' name, amen. If you would, stay uh, tuned in just for a moment because we have a new update from the church board regarding some things that are going to be happening here this next week. And so I trust that you will continue to listen and hear what this new board update has to say and then be in prayer about the events this coming week. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and give you peace. God bless you. Hello, everyone. I'm Jerry Yoder. I'm uh, here with a special message from the board of directors. Uh, the board of directors includes myself, Kathy Meyer, Luke Magistrelli, Shelby Elsis, Tim Parkey, and Eric Disman. Eric's joining us uh, remotely from Alaska, but uh, we've done a lot of work over the last few months, and I wanted to share with you um, the steps we've taken to get where we're at uh, regarding the pastor search, um, and then let you know what's, what's coming from here. The process started uh, back in January of this year. The board was uh, called to a special meeting. It was uh, the last Tuesday of the month, and that's where Pastor Brian made the announcement that he would be leaving. Um, just like a lot of you, we were caught off guard, and it took, uh, it took a little bit for us to regroup and, and, and sort it out. And, um, and once we did, we, we started asking questions about what's next. The district superintendent, Dave Ralph, was at the meeting, and uh, he said, not yet. He said to wait. He said, um, there's lots of work ahead of us, but, uh, but at that point in time, he asked us to wait uh, for the month that the, the Troxels were still here, love on them, give them a loving farewell, and then we would get busy. As soon as the Troxels left, we did get busy. We um, had uh, a survey shared with us from another church, and we, we modified it so that we felt, uh, we felt it fit our church. And uh, we got as many people to fill it out as we could. We took those surveys and poured over them. We, um, we, uh, we quantified all the answers so that you could look at any, any question and see what percentage of this answer did, did people pick and what percentage of that answer. Uh, put a lot of time into to analyzing the surveys and we passed them along uh, at another board meeting to our district superintendent, Dave Ralph. And um, at that particular meeting, we, we gave them to Dave so that uh, to help, help him go out and search for candidates for us to review. Um, at that particular meeting, he already had uh, come up with two candidates that he thought was a good fit. And that was exciting. And we asked him, uh, what's next? And he said to wait. He said there'll be more candidates. Go ahead and review their sermons online. Look at their resumes. Uh, these are just the first two. Um, let's wait. So more candidates uh, did uh, throw their hat in the ring. Um, we looked at more resumes. We looked at more sample sermons online. And uh, I thought it was interesting in the process that we weren't, we weren't always on the same page. Um, some of us on the board liked uh, a particular pastor and others liked another pastor and um, thought that was interesting because we were all praying and going about this prayerfully 
And I know that a lot of you were praying for us. I want to say thank you for that. Uh, we just kept pouring through the, the, the candidates. And uh, eventually we, we came up with a candidate that uh, we thought might be a good fit for uh, Woodland Life Center. So we were ready to move on to the next, the next step, uh, and that would be to interview this potential candidate. Uh, we, uh, we grilled him for about an hour and a half, and uh, at the end of, we did all this over, over Skype. With the COVID restrictions, we're pretty limited. Um, we're doing the best we can. Um, but after the interview was over, we all seemed to be in agreement, and we were ready, we thought, to present him to the church, and, uh, and we were told, no, no, let's wait. Uh, let the interview um, sink in, ponder it, let it percolate, and uh, we'll get together in another week and discuss it after some time has passed and we have a chance to look back and, and consider uh, all of his answers in the interview. So the week, a week came and went, and we met again, and uh, we were all very much on the same page. We had a vote uh, as to whether or not this uh, candidate might be a good, a good fit. And um, we decided through our vote, through our unanimous vote, that, that he might be a good, a good candidate to pass along to the church and give the, the members of the church an opportunity to vote. The members of the church are the ones who are going to pick the next pastor. We're just trying to weed through the candidates um, and save everybody a bunch of time with candidates that probably wouldn't be a good fit. So after much prayer and um, much diligence on the board's part, we are prepared to present to you uh, the first candidate that, for consideration. Um, and with the COVID restrictions, it's a challenge. But we have some uh, events planned for the latter part of next week. It's the 15th, the 16th, and 17th, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday of next week. You'll get a chance to get to know this gentleman a little bit better. For the times, uh, check our Facebook page, check our website, and check your email, because if you're on our email list, you would have received the schedule of events. Thank you very much, and I look forward to seeing you at the events next week.